When I was a freshman at the University of Michigan, I got sick. Now, I didn't think much of it. I was sure it would just be a short little while and then I would recover and be all better. That's not what happened. Uh, I started getting more and more sick. I was sleeping all of the time, horrendous headaches, uh, couldn't, didn't have any energy to do anything. My roommates, they weren't sure what to do with all of this. And so in their own way, they kind of asked occasionally if I needed them to get me some food from the dining hall. Um, and for the most part though, they kind of just left me alone. I think they didn't want to catch what I had. And so they kind of went on with their lives. I found out later that my friends in the hall where I lived wondered what happened to me, but just assumed I was busy with other things. And so I didn't know, they didn't really check on me. Uh, my brother, went to the same university I was at, and he did occasionally check on me, but he had his own studies. He lived in a different part of campus, and so I didn't see him very much. And to be fair, he didn't understand how serious the sickness was. My parents, on the other hand, now that was a different story. They were worried from the very beginning. They were constantly calling and asking if I would let them come and see me, if I would let them come and get me, if I would let them take me to the hospital. And in my pride, uh, I kept saying, no, no, I'm gonna be fine, I'll get better. But I wasn't getting any better. It kept getting worse and worse. In fact, the probably the lowest possible moment, as I remember, I lived on the eighth floor of this dorm, and I remember I had just the worst possible headache what I now know was severe dehydration. I had just this horrendous headache and all I could think was as I looked down from that eighth floor was how great it would be if I just somehow fell from the heights, the pain would be ended and it would be all over. Well, at that sort of very lowest moment, my parents called and there was no discussion. They simply were coming to get me <laughs> and I was too weak to argue and so I simply surrendered. They showed up at my dorm room we went immediately to the emergency room. Uh, I was diagnosed with viral meningitis and I spent some time in the hospital. The two things that I remember most from that ordeal was one, the spinal tap, that's tough to forget. And two, how amazed the doctor was at how, much, how many bags of IV they had to put into me to rehydrate me. Now I tell you that story uh, because it's not ultimately in my mind when I think back on that story, it's not really a story about health. It's not really a story about hydration. It's not even a story about how parents know best. It's a story about love. On one hand, what was the difference between my roommates, my hallmates, and yes, even my brother, and on the other hand, my parents? It has something to do with the depth of love. This is Easter Sunday morning, and we are celebrating God's love for us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to spend a little bit of time in a relatively famous story in the Bible, talking about the depth of God's love for us. So I'd like to invite you, if you have a Bible available, to turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, the somewhat famous story called the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. And on this Easter Sunday morning, we want to understand something about the depth of God's love for us. Now, before we actually look at the parable, a parable is simply a story that Jesus made up or told that was designed to teach a point. There's a bit of an introduction. I want to read that introduction and explain what's going on. It comes in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? To explain what's going on in this interchange, which Jesus is going to answer by telling the story of the Good Samaritan, I want to go back to the story I told you about the sickness that I had when I was a freshman at the University of Michigan. And the question was, what's the difference between my roommates on one hand and my parents on the other? Both asked if there was anything they could do to help me. So the difference between the two is very subtle, but noticeable. For my roommates, when they asked if I needed any food, I could tell by the look in their eyes and sort of by their personality and mannerisms that they were asking if I needed anything, but they were hoping the answer was no. Now, I don't blame them. I often do this, and probably you do as well. We find out somebody's in financial trouble, and we ask them, do you need any money? But deep down, we're hoping they say no. We find out that somebody is feeling lonely and we say, oh, is there anything I can do to help you in this situation? But deep down, we're hoping they say no. We find out somebody's lost a loved one and we say, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. But sometimes we're hoping they don't call. We're hoping they don't inconvenience us. That's what the lawyer is doing in this setup. He feels obligated perhaps like my roommates. Perhaps there was some sense of like, you know what, I probably need, uh, I need to love my neighbors. I need to ask my roommate if he needs any food. But they were hoping that the answer was going to be no. My parents, on the other hand, that was a very different story. Same question, what can we do to help? But they were hoping desperately that the answer was yes. They wanted desperately to do something to help. You and I know what this is like because we sometimes feel that way as well. There's somebody right now perhaps in quarantine and we desperately want to care for them or serve them and we ask them, can we please bring you some groceries? And we're hoping the answer is yes. Maybe somebody extended hospitality to us and it was such a blessing. And we hear that they're coming through town. We went and stayed with them when we were in their town. They're coming through town. And yes, you have to do this when you're not in quarantine. But in normal life, we're hoping, hey, come stay with us. We want them to say yes. We long to be able to pay back what was done for us. 
Maybe there's a situation where you know somebody in need and they need a car and you realize you have a car and the Lord's laid on your heart that would be a great blessing to give your car to them. And you're asking them, look, and you want them to say yes. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's a very subtle difference. In both cases, the lawyer and Jesus, my roommates and my parents are asking, what do you need? But obligation asks the question, what do you need? And hopes the answer is nothing. Love asks the question, what do you need? And hopes desperately there is something that we can do that can be a blessing. So that's the setup. The lawyer wants the answer to be no. Jesus wants to paint a different picture of what love love looks like. And so he tells this story of the Good Samaritan. Let's walk our way through it. Beginning in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So picture the scene in your mind. When Jesus tells this story, he simply says, a certain man. And the idea is, is there is this person, we don't know anything about him. He's kind of nameless and faceless. He might be old, he might be young. He might be rich, he might be poor. He might be a good man. He might be a wicked man. He may be in good health. He may be sick. He may be a business person. He may be a fisherman. He may be a stay-at-home dad. We don't know anything about this person. He is nameless and faceless, but he's been attacked by robbers. He's lying there beaten at the side of the road. Maybe you can resonate with the idea of sort of being nameless and faceless. I felt that way at the University of Michigan. Here I I was, a freshman, in the midst of this big, huge university, dealing with a sickness, and nobody around me seemed to even notice or could be uh, bothered with what I was going through. I just felt completely anonymous. Maybe you feel that way during this quarantine. You're watching people walk by outside your house, and you feel like you're all alone that nobody sees you, nobody knows you, that nobody knows the fears you're experiencing. Nobody knows the anxiety you have. Nobody knows the struggles you're going through. It just feels like a nameless, faceless person in a whole wide world who is constantly occupied thinking about viruses and instead of thinking of as a person, you feel like a statistic, a disease carrier, a potential victim, whatever it may be. It's a nameless faceless person lying there on the side of the road, beaten, stripped of his possessions, and left for dead. Well, Jesus continues with this story. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, and a Levite is a priest's assistant, A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So again, picture the scene in your mind. There's the man laying on the side of the road. We don't know anything about him. He's beaten, left for dead. 
And here come the religious people, the priest and the priest's assistant. They see the man and it says that they pass by on the other side. Now, what are they doing? Well, we have a new term for this, don't we? They're social distancing. I'm serious, they're actually social distancing. Now, the man doesn't have coronavirus, but watch carefully, what they're doing is they don't want to catch what he has. It could be, well, he's been beaten. He's been robbed. I don't want to catch that. Meaning, if we go and try and help him, maybe the robbers are still here. Maybe we end up in the same situation that he's in. Or perhaps they don't want to catch what he has. That's a priest and a Levite. They may be thinking, this guy could be dead. If he's dead, then he might be ritually unclean. He might then make us unclean, and we might in turn, without knowing it, make others unclean. And so they pass by on the other side. It may be that they're social distancing simply out of apathy. If I get too close to that guy, then I'm going to have to be involved. And so they keep their distance and they walk by on the other side and go on their way. Story continues. Verse 33, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after them, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So again, in your mind, here comes a Samaritan. Now a Samaritan, this is an ethnic designation. And Samaritans and Jews would not have been on friendly terms. Here comes a Samaritan and he sees this man lying on the side of the road and the text says he had compassion on him. He took pity on him. In other words, he loved him. He was filled with emotions of love, care, compassion for his suffering. And then he goes way above and beyond anything you could have expected somebody to do. He binds up his wounds. He pours oil on him. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to an inn. He pays the innkeeper and then says, you know what, I'm going to come back through here and make sure that not only is this guy okay, but that you've been taken care of and I'll pay for any added expenses that you might have. Now, what's the point? Well, I asked you the question at the beginning, what was the difference between my roommates on one hand and my parents on the other? What's the difference between the priest and the Levite in this story and the Samaritan? Both are coming to somebody who's in need, but the priest and the Levite are hoping the answer is no, that they don't have to get involved, that they don't have to help. They don't want what this guy has. They don't want to be part of whatever is going on in his situation, and so they pass by on the other side. But the Samaritan wants desperately to help He's hoping the answer is yes. He wants to care for this man. And so he goes above and beyond anything you could have asked or imagined. And he comes to this man and takes such incredible care for him. This is what 
love is, Jesus is trying to say. He and the lawyer having a discussion, well, what is love? Jesus says it's very subtle, but you can tell the difference. Obligation asks if we have any needs and hopes the answer is no. That was my roommates, and I don't blame them. I don't expect my roommates to love me the way that my parents did. It's just an illustration. But this is also true for the priest and the Levite. Obligation does that. Love asks if we have any needs and wants desperately for the answer to be yes. That's what my parents were doing. They wanted desperately to come and help. This is what the Samaritan is doing in the story. And it shows us what true love looks like. Now, what do we do with this story on this Easter Sunday morning? Well, the cool thing about parables is you can read them lots of ways, meaning that depending on sort of which character you associate with or which character you connect with what referent gives some different meanings to the parable. And so while there's lots of ways to read this parable, there is one that I think I would like us to read it, one way to read it this Easter Sunday morning. And that is in asking the question, on Easter, who do we think of as the good Samaritan? And the answer is Jesus. You see, I talked about social distancing earlier, and I cannot, I, I cannot emphasize enough. This is an important thing to do. We've been asked to do this. This is a good thing to do. You should participate in all the social distancing things we're being asked to do. But the reason we're doing it is because this uh, coronavirus is very contagious. And the danger is, is that we might catch it from somebody and that we might give it to somebody else. And that's a dangerous thing. But now understanding that, this gives us a greater perspective on what Jesus did for us. Because in reality, the whole earth is not just infected with a coronavirus. The whole earth is infected with a far, far greater disease, which is sin. And the outcome of that disease is death. And Jesus, playing the role of the Good Samaritan, sees us as a human race, half dead in our sins, in our disobedience, in our selfishness. And he decides to come near to us. Now understand this. Do you know what the odds were that Jesus would be infected with what we have, which is sin and death? 100%. When he chose to become a human, he made the choice to draw near to us in our sins and in our sentence of death, and so to catch what we had. Now, to continue the metaphor, I understand it's a metaphor. He did it so that he might experience death, so that through the resurrection, he would develop the antibodies to the disease of death, so that he might make those available to all of us who are under the sentence 
of death. But Jesus did this, the Good Samaritan tells us, out of his great love for us. He didn't do it out of obligation. He didn't distance himself from us. He didn't walk by on the other side. He didn't say, well, you got yourself into this mess. He saw us in our sins and in our desperations, and he longed to come and do something about it. So he became human, knowing full well that there was a 100% guarantee that he would end up sick with what we have, death. And he did it to save us. Nobody had to twist Jesus's arm to become a human. Nobody had to force him to do this out of obligation. He did it out of love, incredible, unfailing love. He went way above and beyond anything we could have ever asked for him to do. God of all gods, Jesus, the creator of the whole universe, became a human and drew near to us for the purpose of dying our death, which he died on a cross. And on this Sunday morning, we celebrate that death has been defeated, that Jesus has been raised from the dead with the antibodies to death so that we might have life. And he did it for us out of love. Now, what do we do with this teaching? Three things for us to think about this Easter Sunday morning. Number one, for those of you watching who are not yet believers in Jesus, Perhaps you're a little like I was sitting in that dorm room at the University of Michigan, feeling half dead, sick, tired, whatever it may be. It may be a physical sickness. It may be an emotional sickness, a spiritual sickness, whatever. But you are convinced, just like I was, that you can make it on your own. And people have asked to help. Some of them maybe didn't want to. Some of them desperately do. But you think you're going to be able to make it through this life on your own. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. Listen, you may not die of uh, the coronavirus. You might. But you're going to die of something. It might be meningitis. It might be cancer. It might be old age. It might be a heart attack. It might be something else. Death is the universal disease we all have. And whatever, however bad the statistics about this coronavirus are, they pale in comparison. The death rate for death is 100%. Everybody dies. You may be like me sitting in that dorm room thinking, I can beat this. I'm going to be okay. It's just going to be a little longer and it's going to get better. And I'm here to tell you, please, like my parents said to me, it's not. You need help. And the kindness of Jesus was he sees you in that state. And he's not asking if he can help you and hoping you say no. He is desperate for you to say yes. He sees you lying there spiritually dead in your trespasses and your sins and your disobedience and your selfishness and your fears and your doubts, just like me. And he comes along to help. And so I say to you this morning, Easter Sunday morning, Jesus has done all of this because you are not a nameless, faceless person to him. He loves you 
with an unfailing love that you can trust in and put your hope in. And so the encouragement to you today is, why not say yes to Jesus? You're like, well, how do you do that? It's not something you have to do. It's an attitude of the heart. Like when I was sick in my dorm room, at some point my parents were saying, look, we're coming to get you. All I had to do was say yes to that. And so right there in the quietness of your own living room, wherever you're watching from, just picture yourself, if you can, in your mind's eye, laying on the side of the road. And imagine Jesus, I don't know what he looks like, imagine him coming to you. He's asking you if he can save you. And all you have to do is say yes. I'm not going to see it, but in the quietness of your heart, in that picture in your mind, as he walks near to you, you just simply say, yes. He is desperate to help you. He is desperate to give you life. All you have to do is in the quietness of your heart, say yes. That's number one. Number two, for those of us who are Christians, What I want us to understand this morning is that God's love for us, Jesus' love for us, does not stop at our salvation. That right now in the midst of the quarantine, you may be feeling like the man in the Good Samaritan. You may be feeling stripped of your possessions. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost schooling. Maybe you've lost social relationships. Maybe you've lost the ability to engage with others. Maybe you've lost money. Whatever it may be, when Jesus sees you there, he has compassion and his love for you. You are not a nameless, faceless person going through this. He sees you and knows you and loves you. Maybe you're feeling half dead. Maybe you have COVID-19. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you have some other physical ailment. Maybe you are feeling half dead. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And so it does feel like, like some part of you has died. Maybe you feel like you have been stripped and left all alone at the side of the road and you look out your window and people are walking by and they seem to have not a concern in the world for you and there you are in your home all by yourself feeling all alone. What you need to know this morning is that Jesus desperately loves you and you can trust in his unfailing love. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you by the side of the road. He sees where you're at And he is coming to help you. He has been raised from the dead. But he also has been raised to the highest heaven so that he is Lord over all things. And in the midst of our struggle and our difficulty, right now, he sees us, wants to draw near to us, and has promised he will help us. So don't be afraid. You can trust in his unfailing love. It's not obligation, it's love. Compassion, mercy, and love. And then third and finally, it's a great opportunity to celebrate communion together. We told you at the beginning to maybe have a cracker or juice, cracker and juice available. Again, it can be orange juice. If you don't have anything, you can have a glass of water. We just want something. Uh, the bread item, the cracker, the sandwich bread, Twinkies, whatever you got. That thing uh, we're going to use to represent Jesus' body. 
And then that juice element represents his blood. And together they represent that he willingly broke his body and shed his blood out of love for us. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you don't have your stuff, you gotta go get it uh, and come back because we're going to partake of the bread element and the drink element together. But during the song or before the song or at some point, this is also an opportunity at communion to confess to God that many of us have looked to idols in the midst of the quarantine and the COVID-19 crisis that we find ourselves in. What I mean by that is this. Many of us are thinking, it's all gonna be okay once we get a vaccine. It'll all be okay once the technology for testing is in place. It'll be all be okay if everybody follows the government rules. Now, please hear me correctly. I'm grateful for science. I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful for government. And I'm hoping that God uses those things to rescue us. But please understand very carefully. There is not a single scientist in this world. There is not a single piece of technology there is not a single government agent in the entire world who loves you like Jesus does. And that our hope is not in those things. Our hope is in his unfailing love. I do pray that he uses some of those things to help rescue us. He might or he might not. He might use something else. But our hope is in his unfailing love that he will not pass us by. And so before we partake of the bread and before we drink the cup, it is an opportunity in our own hearts to be able to confess to the Lord that perhaps we've been putting our hope in this plague somehow going away on its own, science fixing it for us, technology helping us with it, whatever it may be. Our hope today, this Easter Sunday, just like every Sunday and every day, is that the God of the universe loves us. So I'm gonna pray, and then the band is going to come and lead us in a song, and then we'll partake of communion at the end of that song. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, Seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.